Oh my gosh, we're finally doing it. Hi everybody, welcome to Pure Cringe, where we dive into Bravo Liberty books and culture for your amusement and ours. Welcome to our very first episode, A Place of Yes by Bethany Frankel. My name is Maria McQuaid and I'm here with the fabulous Michelle Barczykowski. Hi Michelle. Hi. How are you? I'm fab. How are you? Fabu. I, I know you are. I know you are, but what am I? You're also uh, I'm fabu. so excited. Thank you, my friend. I'm so excited to be doing this with you. Um, we've been friends for now. How many years? We met, we were what, 15? 15. Yep. You were, you, I was in the back of the bus, probably smoking a butt. We could smoke and on the bus as teenagers. Who the fuck? We were sh- teenagers. Yes. You guys, Michelle and I, here's the great part about the Pure Cringe podcast. Welcome. We're going to get a Generation X perspective. Yes. Michelle and I, uh, we're, our personalities were distilled in the late 70s and 80s. And so we'll be bringing that unique perspective to Bravo Books, Bravo Liberty in general. And my hope is, is that in the near future, I can convince Michelle to do a rewatch of some early Bravo shows uh, to just hit back with those nostalgic feels. So that is my plan. But I am super excited to jump into Coercion this. is beginning. Um, okay. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Peer pressure. Peer pressure. All the cool kids are doing it. Yep. Okay. All right. So let's start. Let's start talking about this. I, I don't know if you, how familiar you are with Bethany. Like, what do you know anything about her? Um, is she one of your favorite housewives? You know, I know. Um, I like her skinny girl, um, raspberry vinaigrette. It's very good. <laughs> I have to say. Give her credit. Although she doesn't own that company now, right? She sold it for a bajillion dollars and, you know. She's yeah, I mean, now. Bethany's pretty amazing. I mean, she's, so what is it? She began her career as like a, a nanny to Kyle. No, not to Kyle, to uh, Paris and Nikki Hilton for Beth- Kathy Hilton. Bethany oh. did. She began oh, her career. Oh. Um, and then she, that's how she knows Kyle. And she knows the Hiltons. So, so she was like there. College. She went out to LA and she had that stint in L. Okay, all right. Yeah, she wanted. To, she literally wanted to get involved in like LA and you know wanted to be an actress. And so she mm-hmm. began began a career there. And then she became a what natural food chef. Yeah. Um, cookies. Did her cookies? Yeah, she did cookies. I mean, I think Bethany is like the. I think she's like the quintessential, quintessential like Bravo preneur, if that's yes. even a word. But yes. like she yes. is. She is the person who I think started it all in terms of not only uh, selling products, but honestly, Michelle, and that's the reason why I wanted to do her first, writing books. This yeah. isn't her first book, but she was the first. No, no. She's written so many books. She's even written a novel, um, but she's, she's a fascinating, fascinating person. And I have a real nostalgia for like early Bethany, like yeah. early Real Housewives of New York. And especially because I, I know the background of this book, I thought this would be an awesome place to start. Yeah, um, I agree with you. Um, one of the reasons I think it's a great place to start, you know, the Bethany now, um, who's, you know, brash and she's out and about and she's got her hysterical Instagram things where she, you know, I spend all my money so you don't have to, where she does like all these crazy things. Those are great. I love those, but one of the things I like is is with this book is she's really vulnerable in this book and you don't really see that. You just see this big personality now with a lot of money, but she's, she's very humble. I think she's and, more guarded now. I think she's has more armor. And I think this is like the young unvarnished. Yeah. Bethany, but before she was jaded by that horrible divorce. Yeah. 
which yeah. I think changed, which I think honestly changed her a lot. I think going through that, getting married, becoming a mom, and then doing that, all of that super publicly. And then that just horrific divorce. Yeah. Um, Cause I think they were only married for a few years, but they only got divorced in 2021. Yeah. The divorce was like longer, like twice as long as the marriage, wasn't it? Yep. Yeah. 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 And it was, yeah, it was pretty, it was pretty brutal, but this is, yeah, this is, this is young, fresh faced Bethany. This is Bethany before glam Bethany before she was a millionaire. Mm -hmm. This was just a young, earnest person, I think, trying to um, share advice uh, basically about her life. And so I, I, I like that it sort of started off with that like list of negative thoughts that like you may be thinking Mm -hmm. about yourself or things that you may have done. And I like the idea that she talked about the book as upgrading um, the software that you have in your head. Oh, yes. <laughs> That's I just, I thought that was really cool. I, I and, and it made sense to me. You know, I could, the, the visual learner in me. Um, yeah. I, I liked the idea that even the title is about talking about saying yes to life. And when we dive a little bit deeper into the um, little clip from Rural Housewives of New York that we're going to recap later, I'll talk a little bit about the origin of the title because it does tie into that. But I loved that she had a, that first chapter where she just sort of gives you the overview. She wants you to recognize that you can take or leave a lot of this advice, right? Like if it's a change that works, mm-hmm. take it. If it's not working for you, you can leave it. I think that's empowering for a lot of folks. I like the fact that she talks about your noise versus your voice. I love that. Yeah. It's a very introspective book in a lot of ways, right? And, and a lot of people, she lays it out in a really in a really clear way. And I think a lot of people, this would distill a lot of things for people. Cause some people just, you know, action, 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 it's got to happen. But I, I think as you grow older, you also realize there's a lot of, there's a lot of wheel turning that goes on in your head um, and things that you have to toss out, things you keep, you know, noise, you noise, you deal with um, how you get rid of it or not get rid of it or just deal with it. Or just, you know, all these, and all these things make you who you are. Yeah, it's it's so interesting, like that negative self-talk. I think so many of us don't recognize it. It's that like, um, I don't know if you've ever read that book by uh, Carol Dweck called Mindset. It's no. really fascinating. Um, she's a Stanford University professor, and she talks about the difference between um, a fixed mindset and a growth mindset. Oh, I do know those terms. Yeah. Yeah. And so I, I feel like it's it's important to... to uh, I mean, we all know that we do that, but I think it's important to have that as a reminder Mm -hmm. that sometimes that negative self-talk is something that we're creating for ourselves and that it's also something you can change. So once you're aware of it, you can start to rephrase it. And um, I I remember doing some work around that, creating exercises on how you can rephrase things that you would normally say about yourself. Uh, Because of course you would never say these things about like your best friend, but um, you might say like, I suck at math or, you know, anytime I've ever asked anyone to write something on a board in a session that I'm teaching, people always have to tell me right off the bat, I have terrible handwriting. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, you know, a lot of those things, like I would never tell, I mean, people of course, who are listening, don't re- know this, but Michelle, you actually do have terrible handwriting. And <laughs> it is, That's a compliment. But you, you are the only person that I've ever known who had terrible handwriting, who like said it and was like, and you were saw it and you were like, yeah, I don't understand what any of those words mean. But I, I just feel like I love the fact that she is encouraging you to see those thoughts and recognize them for the crap they are and to not let them stop you. I just I love that as the the, the preamble to the entire book. Right. Like, yes. don't not letting it stop you move forward. Absolutely. And again, 
But what's important is she talks about moving forward, but not moving forward and just like ignoring it, right? Like, like, like kind of coming to terms with it and understanding like where you are, um, how it affects you. You know what I mean? I just I yep. went to a therapist once and I was like in a really like having trouble, like a lot of trouble. <laughs> so, and she said, uh, she made, she made a comment about how I, I don't really always kind of deal with situations at hand and get like introspective about them. I just move forward. And I said, yeah, that's a good idea. Let's just move forward. <laughs> Sounds like a great idea at the time. I don't know what you mean. <laughs> I don't know, I, I don't know what you mean. But I think I do. I think that that's what so many of us do, right? Is we're just like blindly moving forward. And sometimes we don't deal with the problem. And I like that she's saying, no, 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 like, don't ignore it. Try and deal with the problem. Or here's some obstacles. Yeah. And here's some of the things that you can do to kind of overcome them. Yeah. Yeah. That is important. So I, I liked the fact that they all of these uh, chapters started out with a motivational quote. Yes. That was kind of cool. Uh, some from people like some artists, maybe people like Richard Branson, um, Harvey Firestein. And it was funny because, of course, I listened to the book. So I kept hoping that it was going to be read by the person. Oh, okay. Uh, <laughs> oh. I kept hoping. <laughs> like all of a sudden, Harvey Firestein was going to come. I'm like, hello, it's me, Harvey. <laughs> I have a motivational thing to tell you about this book. It's very important. Keep moving forward. <laughs> um, I, I just, I thought that would be funny. And I will say the fact that it is her voice. Again, I, I feel like that is an, a, a, it's a very different experience. Um, I, I just feel like, especially for Bethany, who's known for her brash way, known for her voice, known for her accent, almost known for talking ridiculously fast. Mm -hmm. I thought it was so fun to listen to. So I'd, I'd love to to dive a little bit deeper. Do you want to go into the book itself? Yeah, let's do it. All right. Do you want to start off with, uh, so she had, there are 10, uh, 10 tips, rules. right? Yes, 10 can. rules to come from a place of yes. So the first one is break the chain. Yeah. Um, which I, I thought that was great. That's when she's talking a lot about her past, how to sort of move on from what has held you back in the past and I love the idea of being very deliberate about uh, recognizing and then leaving behind, frankly, generational trauma. Yes. Um, I want to say that um, if if we hadn't agreed to read this and talk about this, um, I would have thrown this fucking book out the window. Only because I see <laughs> things that say, yeah. here's 10 rules. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm, and I'm mm -hmm. like, no, am I yeah. reading like a Dianetics or what the fuck yes. am I getting into here? So when um, you're done, you're Tom Cruise. Yeah. And um, 10 inches shorter, right? So, <laughs> right. I want to be Leah Remini. I want to be Leah Remini. So, yeah, I, I, um, so the way that she set that up, I was like, oh, for fuck's sake, am I having to do this really? But anyway, um, it's hard to listen to someone tell you about rules, isn't it? Like, in, in, in terms of, uh, like it being something that sounds like a fun read. Like, here's the 10 rules for blah, 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 blah. Oh, I get very excited to read that. Yeah, exactly. It so doesn't inspire enthusiasm, we'll say. No, no. So, um, <laughs> so yeah, so Break the Chain, Surviving Childhood. This There was a lot, there was a lot of um, ground she covered here. And I, she covered over 60 pages um, in the book on this. It was, it was a lot. It was a lot. So she's got a lot to unload, I think, to tell us about. I think she's done a lot of therapy and, and, and had a lot to process, right? Like, so... What about, this is where she's talking about her early life growing up in the racetrack, correct? Yeah, she, so her, her parents divorced, and well, they had a bad marriage, they would fight, they'd be together, not together, 
um, you know, and she's very, she's always been very skinny. And, and then she says here that her, her grandfather had a thing with, was it her grandfather had a thing with the woman had to well, be really thin? Yeah. So he sort of basically, her mother. Yep. That he would say to her. Yep. That he would actually talk to her about that, which, you know, I can't even, I can't even imagine, but I can see how that is something that affected her mom who changed her the way that she thought about herself and then Mm -hmm. changed the way that she thought about Bethany and the way that probably they all thought about food and taking care of themselves. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, yeah, so she, she, you know, she, she had people who liked her and probably sometimes loved her, but didn't really think that she was worth giving a lot of time to. Um, and I, that makes me feel bad. <laughs> so you have this kid and, you know, but then like her mother would do amazing things. Like they, they would, they go on, they went on a trip to, they go to France. Where'd they go? They went you can, you can almost see the, the, the highs and lows. Can't you? It's like, it's, you could like for me, I can almost see in that first chapter, just in that, just in that break the chain chapter, can sort of see her life as a series of like highs and lows like I can almost feel her mom's manic energy right sort of coming in and being like swooping in and taking her to Paris where they're going to eat and Bethany's going to be able to go to a a bar for the first time I feel like Bethany is the you know in this scenario she is like the less famous Drew Barrymore right so she's like that similar trajectory right where she has this mother who has like weird boundaries yeah around Who's the mom? Who's the child? It's very like um, abfab, right? With Safi Darling. Yeah, <laughs> it really is. It's really like that that reversal. Yeah. Um, and and I think that that was something that Bethany became very deliberate about when she had her daughter too. Yes, she was de- very deliberate with that. Um, and and that's good. That's that's good. Although unfortunately, she ends up perpetuating some of the same bullshit. You know that some stuff that, gets in there. You try yeah. hard, but sometimes it gets in there. It, yeah, but you know, so so as much as she tries, and she understands, like whatever. Well, the relationship with her husband was that's that's another couple of podcasts in and of themselves. But she's, you know, basically she that's a whole other podcast to break that down. Yeah, she's got that's, him. She's got him in her episode. lair, and she's doing, and he's doing. He's basically like her, uh, like you know, permanent secretary. And I don't. They, they don't really have. A relationship that I call a working relationship. It's it's working like for her work, but it's not like a working functioning relationship. I don't. I saw my well, parents have a yeah. business together, and it was they it was it was it worked really well, and they still really liked each other, and they were married for like sixty five years. So, you know, you can do it. I I don't <laughs> think it's easy though, and I and I think that I think that Bethany brought, and you know, who knows too with Jason, but I think we know what Bethany brings to the table in terms of the stuff that she's carrying with her. So there's a lot already yeah. that she's bringing, that she's bringing to the table. So I think, I, I think that's why break the chain is such a large chapter. Yes. Um, yeah. And, and I think it was necessary. I honestly got a little bored halfway through. I wanted to kind of get to the stuff. Yeah. That, that, that would be my complaint about the overall, I wanted things to move a little bit quicker and I wanted to hear less about um, like how often she was going to throw herself the next guy. However, Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, but um, a big theme in this book yeah yeah it is a theme dudes are a big theme uh number two uh do you want to say that one yeah find your truth um mm. so tell me what you want what you really really want want my dog to stop barking outside um but what i want <laughs> yeah what she can't hear him man, what she can't wants is a man um yeah she does want to, to, to break it down um finding your truth your truth keeps changing with you 
um and she she talks about larry like in like larry like this guy who was chasing her for years and they go on this like to 16 day i've never been on a fucking 16 days in paradise I, i'd, I'd want to go to like another country and and yeah, she finally place. says you know they were in this like bubble and getting along really well and then she like says she'd marry him and then he wasn't into it <laughs> so she realizes that that was what was fun for him was the chase um yes so but again you know here she is just throwing herself with another guy and then, then she brings up the the thing with her baby do you want to you want to address that? Oh God, the thing with the baptism. Yeah, which I didn't really yeah. get why she's so flipped out, but it's very weird to watch. So she has this woman who, when she once she has her her daughter, she and Jason have a live-in nanny, and I can't think of what the woman's name is. I, I should have written it down. It Gina. Oh, Gina. Yeah, and she's a big part of the family. She mm-hmm. lives there. She's caring for this daughter. They love her. I don't know. She's Christian, but I'm not sure exactly what denomination. Some maybe some type of Baptist, and they ask to. She asks uh, Bethany and, and Jason if they want to uh, have the baby baptized, and they say no. And then she says, "Well, would you want to have like a special blessing?" And they say, "Okay, maybe." And so they go down to the church with the, with their daughter, and everything's fine. But they are honestly in the show. They're they're trepidatious before they leave. They kind of don't really want to do this. They were not thinking about it, mm-hmm. right? Bethany's mm-hmm. not a religious person. She just wasn't in a space for it. You could tell by watching the show. And I honestly think that Bethany was in like just a super fragile place. And probably her her relationship was also jacked up at the time. Um, but what happens is when the baby is given over to a couple of people to hold the baby, all of a sudden people start passing the baby around. It reminded me a teeny bit. And I know this is going to be a big stretch. So nobody like come at me on Instagram. Of the scene in Mother. Did you see that movie, the horror movie with Jennifer Lawrence and Javier Bardem? Yes. Yes. Where where the baby is torn apart by the people uh-huh. at the at the end. Uh-huh. It it wasn't like that, but I think in Bethany's mind, that's what she saw. And so all of a sudden uh, they couldn't see the uh, baby. Yeah. Because the baby was like too, it was a very crowded church, small, yep. teeny tiny church, super crowded, everyone's standing. Yeah. So she couldn't see, and then she freaked out. And so Jason had to, like, get the baby. It was like he thought he was Indiana Jones and, like, get them out of the church. It was a very <laughs> – it really was – and, I, I, you know, like, it's funny now because it was, like, super stupid. But I can almost imagine that she, like, something in her head was, like, off. But she freaked out. And it really damaged the relationship with the nanny. Oh, yeah. Um, I mean, I can <sighs> – there's a lot that happens after you have a baby as well. And so you are for sure in a fragile relationship um, with yourself, with the world, with the baby. Um, so, and also the the religion thing, you know, she, she's, she's been Jewish. She's been Catholic. She's, you know what I mean? <laughs> she's because she's, it's been, it's been not there, done that. Yeah. She, that's not been a stable thing for her. So, right. you know, to kind of, bring that into it so yeah i now that you explain it i get it reading it it didn't seem like that big of a deal no but really to watch it i think that she thought it was that scene in mother that like and if nobody's seen that i apologize for spoiling for you i'm gonna go but yeah yeah it really it's a it's intense but i think that's what bethany was imagining was that the baby was being taken away from her but Mm. i think they just want to do a blessing i think it and i think that's really all it was it looked innocuous but i think with the editing too they kind yeah, of like had a couple of like, you know, uh, like swift cuts 
yeah. to kind of like build the tension. Uh-huh. With like her eyes you know? bugging out, right? <laughs> oh yeah. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. yeah. But yeah, that was I was surprised to 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 hear that. Um, but I think it, it goes to your vulnerability statement before Michelle Michelle, because she's telling stuff, even stuff that doesn't she's talking about stuff that doesn't make her look good. Yeah, which I appreciate. I do I, I appreciate the, the level of vulnerability. I think that as we move through this podcast, I feel like we're probably not going to be able to say that about every person no. who writes a book. I feel like, <laughs> I think, I feel like Bethany has pretty high emotional intelligence. I feel like she sees herself as she is. Oh, she definitely has very yeah. high emotional intelligence. And yeah. I, yeah. you know, yes, absolutely. Yeah. So I think I, but yeah, so I, that was always something that, that freaked me out. So I was kind of bummed to see it in the book, but I get why she put it there. Um, and then number three is act on it, which I think a lot of people forget about. A lot of people, like, it's like with The Secret, when The Secret came out, everyone was like, all I have to do is just concentrate really hard on the thing that I want and I'm going to get it. Yeah. And they actually had to write a book after it called The Power, where they said, right, 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 right. You got to think about it, but you also got to put the action behind it, right? Yeah. You got to do the thing, right? So she says you got to do the thing, which I love because... For me, I've always sort of been into that um, that motto of Elvis's TCB, taking care of business. Yep, I love, uh, I love in that. a flash. Yeah, uh, I love that, and I love the idea of like not making excuses. So she's talking about that, and I think this is where she's talking about living in LA. So when and she, she went to LA, was she a bartender? And she did, did she do culinary school out there? She did, and then I think she. This is also when she is the nanny for the Hiltons. Yeah, okay, yeah, and I mean, I um, I. I definitely roll with that. You know, if you really like something, I'm really into just kind of, you know, finding everything out about it. If you're able to go to school for it and, you know, or do some sort of certification, just you, to know everything about it, to know all the angles. Um, and, uh, you know, and again, like you never know, you never really know, but you like it and you do, you know, so you should do it and pursue it. How you know, though, when it's like a complete and utter fucking waste of time is beyond me. But, um, you know, <laughs> that's number four. Yeah. <laughs> it's funny that you asked, Michelle. That's so fucked up that you say that. Take a look at number four. Everything's your business. That's my business. That's my business. I agree, though. Do you like this one? I think is big, too. Yes. Um, yeah. No, whatever you do reflects back onto yourself. So. You're right. Again, this is this is like an introspective thing, you know. So you've so you've thought about it. You've thought about your past. You've found your truth. You've done some stuff. You've done some shit on it. And now everything's your business, and you're gonna kind of distill the whole thing, right? You're gonna think about it a little bit more. Yeah, you yeah. gotta do it. You gotta do it to the best of your ability, right? So many people dial in certain parts of their lives, yeah. and I love the idea of saying, like, listen, everything is your business. You treat everything with importance. Right. Yeah. Even things that seem to be small tasks, you treat them with care and importance. And I, and, and I like that. Um, I like that she talks about um, her exercise video, Body by Bethany, which I have <laughs> never seen and I do not want to watch. No offense. I love you, Bethany, but I just I'm not going to watch that. Um, and of course, she talks about her skinny girl. This I mean, there's opportunities for her to plug here, too. So yes. skinny girl detox supplements and then her shapewear and her skin care. Mm -hmm. But my favorite thing that she talks about here, Michelle. The motherfucking pashminas, please. Oh, I love the it. pashmina she, business. She Speak on time. it. So, so she's in Neiman Marcus and she sees like a five hundred dollar pashmina scarf. Now, at the time, these were the hottest shit going. They were insane and they were that expensive. You can get them anywhere now. 
<laughs> and they're very nice quality but um they were they were the it brand and so she was like damn it uh if i could just find a way to 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 get this like you know could i get a knockoff or something you know so i don't know she starts she starts making phone calls and i don't know what what year was this written 2011 2011 yeah so um i the internet was around and it was, you know, it was yeah. sophisticated, but I, I think it seems like not everybody was like working it like she was. Cause then she, she's able to find like um, a supplier in India. I don't know how she finds them. She Googles the shit out of them. And then, and they say like, if you spend a bazillion dollars with us, <laughs> I couldn't buy a, I couldn't find a supplier across the street, Michelle. I, I know. Would <laughs> if you spend a bazillion dollars with us. You can, you, you'll get like a, you know, there'll be a nickel for you. And then you can sell them each for, <laughs> hundred bucks and so she she does that she she and she goes with it and then she does this awesome uh like trade show or something where she gets like all these like colored jelly beans like buckets of jelly beans and um she's coordinates them with the that was clever wasn't it yeah that was very see she's very clever she's a good merchandiser like that she really is that's what it is good merchandising you know she's able to move things around to kind of keep the fresh you know yeah so yeah that was that was i love that story that should be her bedtime story to her daughter every day the pashmina story because i feel like that it distills who bethany is except for the fact she, where she spent it all <laughs> no well right because she's much more frugal now now she's very like aware of money because she's also and we didn't even mention this she's a huge philanthropist Yes. Her Be Strong Foundation. Yeah. So she's a massive philanthropist. So she makes a ton of money. I think she spends a ton of money. And I think she gives a ton of money. Yeah. But I think, you know, wealthy people, a lot of them are wealthy because there's certain things that they know what they want to spend on. And they right. don't spend on the things that are, you know, they don't have like these like bizarre, like I must buy compulsion kind of thing. They just, this is what they want to spend you mean on. like me? <laughs> this is how they well, want to do it. And that's the end of the story and everything else can kind of fall off. But, you know, they're very deliberate in what they want to do. Well, I think that's, you know, we see her because she's lived so much of her life publicly. Mm -hmm. You can actually see her grow that skill to where now this is something that she does all the time. Yeah. Yeah. Back when this is written, she's still, I mean, of course, we're all works in progress, but she's still, you know, she's still baking, literally, which leads me to number five. Yeah. Yep. Leads me right into rule number five, uh, all roads lead to Rome, um, which is where she talks about how everything that you do, whether it's successful or not, uh, is bringing you closer to where you want to go. And, you know, it reminds me of that Japanese proverb, right? It's like fall down seven times, get up eight, right? Just talking about resiliency and tenacity, which is cool, right? Um, And which is so necessary, especially because so few of us succeed the first, second, or even third time. So she talks about her company, Bethany Bakes. Um, and that's where she had the issues with um, trying to keep things. It originally seemed like it was going to be a great idea to have them in these stores, uh-huh. but then she wasn't able to keep them fresh and they would get moldy or they would get crumbled and she would lose money. And then she had problems finding the place to bake them at. So it seemed like that business was um, honestly, this so exemplifies this rule because it really was like an exercise where she learned a lot of stuff, even though it doesn't didn't necessarily succeed i feel like there's a lot that she took from that that made her a much better businesswoman yes for sure and what i appreciate um is that it's very easy to look at somebody and say they're so successful but you have to realize for every like one success there's been like a thousand failures behind that and you know 
Yeah. That's uh, that's that could be like a tough pill to swallow, but if you don't do the work, you're never gonna you're never gonna get anywhere. A lot of it's luck too, you know. I mean, <laughs> well, I think she's yeah. in the right places too. Yeah. But I think that's that that is the act on it part too. I think that's the part that you know she gets up and she this is a this is clearly a hard worker too. Yes. Um, and I think that's a big part of it too. And that's I mean, if you do the work, it becomes a lot easier to believe in yourself. Yes. I think it's like a just just it becomes a you know. A big cycle, a self-feeding cycle. Yeah. Um, and then, so what was number six, Michelle? Um, go for yours. Mm. Go for yours. I, I don't really have much to say about this section here. I just know she did Apprentice with Martha Stewart. I, I guess it's about, uh, you know, she 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 grabbed opportunities that she knew were going to be a lot of work, but she knew that she could stick with it and give it her all. Yeah. Um, yeah, take the opportunity. I think that's really what it was like, you know, when opportunity knocks, grab it, right? right? Like kick it into high gear with focus, determination, right? A certain amount of tenacity. Yeah. No, I think that's totally, you know, and and honestly, I I think that these, you know, spoiler alert, but as we go along, it's I think it's important to talk about too. I think a lot of these things that she's talking about are true, but a lot of them aren't revelatory. Right. They're not, you know, so it's a lot of them are great reminders, but then there are a lot of them that are like, yep, that's just basically number three, but in sheep's clothing. Um, I do think that one of the few that is very different and is important is the next one, um, which is number seven, which is separate from the pack. Yeah. So I like the fact that she's really calling out, like focusing on what makes you unique. Mm -hmm. um, what What's your niche? Like, Focusing less on what other people are doing and focusing more on what you can be doing that is specific and unique to you, your talent, your, you know, your desire, whatever. So I thought that one, I feel like is one of the few that I'm like, all right, I'm going to give that one a, a check. Like, that's important to say. And that speaks to her, um, her level of confidence as well, because you, if, if you feel like crap about yourself and, it, you, and you don't believe in yourself, you're never going to achieve that. And Reminds me of a thing that I say to my kids all the time. Um, you know, when they when they complain about another kid doing this, that, or the other thing, I say, oh, you know, worry about yourself, not about them. Just yeah, you know, they're gonna do their thing. You don't have to you don't have to jump off that bridge if you don't want. I prefer you not. Um, and you know, just uh, you worry about you. You do you, and um, yep. if they want to fuck off, then that's fine. <laughs> they can ruin it all. Um, yeah, and I think we see this in a lot of housewives. As housewives come and go, who are the ones who are able to maintain longevity? They're the ones who can really be independent and do their own thing. And you know, yeah, they're the ones that are that you remember specifically, right? They're the ones that you know. I can talk so much about Bethany because she is so unique. She is so different from everybody else. Yeah. Then there are people. It feels very Stepford wifey, right? That there's lots of you know. There's a sea of housewives, and then there are people like Bethany. There, there are people, there are people like, you know, Lisa Renna, you know, people who stand out and you're like, damn, you know, even, even for being an asshole, people yeah. like Sonia Morgan. I mean, I will, <laughs> I will say, um, New York, I think has a disproportionate amount, hot take here, uh, everybody, New York, I think has a disproportionate amount of like really interesting individual, fascinating people. I think so. I think you're right. I'm heartbroken by the way, that, uh, they could not get legacy back, um, and I was heartbroken to learn that it was because of Jill Zarin. Um, oh, yeah. Who I am a fan of. But I, yeah, that just broke my heart because I really, I am. I'm nostalgic, like I said, for the early days of New York. And, um, you know, 
before what they were wearing became more important than the stuff that they said or did. Yeah. And really, they're all in their own rights. They're all businesswomen. I mean, I think a lot of women in later episodes, later series have sort of developed businesses because of um, yeah. because of their fame. But I really, truly feel that um, at least with New York, that they, they all came with their own thing. They all were, you know, they're intelligent. They've, you know, they've done a lot of work. Um, they feel and, capable yes. in a way that, and competent to me in a way that a lot of other cities just fundamentally don't. Mm-hmm. Like when I look at Atlanta, I don't know why, but for me, the only competent person really is Candy. Ab- fucking absolutely. Absolutely. She's the best. But that's the only person that I, I think to myself, like that's somebody who is, you know, running a business, taking care of business. I mean, of course, Marlo was running Le Archive, which of course, uh, since we are French students, no should be L apostrophe archive, should be L'archive, not <laughs> L'archive. <laughs> I, I mean, I got a fucking D actually, and I copied off Julie the whole time. And uh, I, so, and even I knew that, but yeah, I feel like Bethany is the first competent housewife. I think that's why I feel like mad, like mad respect for her. Like, I'm, you know, I'm a ride or die Bethany girl. So, all right, Michelle, tell us about our next one. Oh, own it. Own it. Mary own Lisa it. Renna. Own, own it. it. Own it. Um, well, <laughs> no, we go back to the guy thing, right? We go back to, to the mm. guy, right? She's, she's finally owning, she's finally owning a man. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so she's, uh, there's the recurring theme of, um, her, uh, like a family, a family life that sucks. Right. Um, and not really being able to have like great connection with her dad, um, or with her mom. They've, they've really not both been nice to her. Um, but she finally is able to, uh, to hold down a man, get married. She has a baby and it's, <laughs> I feel like it's like, finally she's this is it own it right all these little things yeah. that have been throughout the book and you know if you really think about it um baby uh, did she really talk about wanting a baby ever not really i mean she it's not it be it becomes a thing further into the series not in the first season but mostly more in the second season um but she talks a little bit about the fact that she wants children because they're in the first season, the guy that she's dating already has a few children uh-huh. and isn't sure if he wants to have any. And so she's not sure if that's a deal breaker or not. Okay. Okay. Um, so, yeah. So it was like her right to her right to, uh, to say yay or nay to it. Um, but I guess, you know, in terms of like owning it, I, I feel for her, it was like, she owns a proper family unit now that she yeah. finally made it. Um, yeah sad I don't know I feel bad for her with her parents they really (laughs) I do I do but you know I and I I feel like the whole thing is 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 kind of a like a what not to do with with children like you know the story of her 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 real family but I I think that what's nice is that she is really learning the lessons from this I don't think I don't think in this book she is or even in her life that she is one of those people who like wallows in the thing. I feel like there's so many people like, and there's even so many people we see on housewives who, when something happens to them, they're like, and then the thing happened. And then it's, you know, and and no matter what it is with that, that person we go back to, you know, like with, with, for example, Ramona with, with Mario, with like him leaving her, like how Mm. often does she talk about that? Like, you know, every season she gets drunk a couple of times and has to talk about it. Uh Whereas I think that she hasn't processed that. And I feel like what we're seeing with Bethany is that even though some of these things are unsexy, 
she's processing them. Uh, and, yes. and, and, and sometimes not successfully in the case of Jason, right? Like right. it's hard to read that section about, or hear that section for me about her getting married and know how gross this is going to be for her. Right. How, how right now this guy seems like he's so sweet. And I thought he was like amazing. There are times during the Bethany getting married show that I would watch it and I would go, Oh, she is a fucking asshole. Yeah. Yeah. He is so good. She's so lucky to have him. Yeah. She should shut up before he leaves her. And now, you know, and now I realize, (laughs) you know what I mean? I like I pointed your finger at me like like your mother. You <laughs> before you open your mouth again, think on it. Right. <laughs> yeah, like sometimes she would say shit and I'd be like, oh, oh. Like she would say something that was like a throwaway comment and it would like cause a problem. And so it, it's been cool actually to see the like the behind the scenes for a lot of these things. Um and I think as we get to like as we're hurtling towards the end of the book, um, I think that these points get weaker. Because what they are really talking about is like integrating all of these changes right now. Yes. Yeah. I think so. so like the next one, number nine, come together. Just connections. keeping. Yeah. Like really yeah. Yeah. making <laughs> sure that, like, I mean, I hate to say it, but it's like, it's so literal, but I think that she ran out. I think in reality, there are five uh, points, five rules. Well, I like to celebrate everything though. I like number 10. I like that. Oh yeah. Celebrate. Yeah. I, 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 I'm telling you, I actually think for me, if I had to write this book, I would keep, let me see, not that this is a category, but if I had to, I would keep, um, I like break the chain. I like find your truth. Mm -hmm. Um, I would keep act on it and everything's your business because I believe that all roads lead to Rome is part of everything's your business. And I believe go for yours is, is part of, as part of act on it. And then I would keep separate from the pack and then I would keep celebrate everything. Yep. Because I, I, I would use celebrating as that. I would use celebrate everything as eight, nine, and ten. I would talk about owning it, coming together, all that, all that. Yeah. Um, but at at a higher level, because I think that a lot of this stuff is good. It's it's like it's fascinating to see her sort of grow. But I I think there could have been five points to this book, and it would have just been just as effective. There, and maybe moved a little quicker. If the book was um, there was it was too long. It was too long for what she said. Yeah. 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 <laughs> I would have loved I would have loved it if it was like 75 pages shorter and and it was five uh five points. Yeah. And those I think those five points are pretty strong. They are. Um but yeah, I mean uh you know, spoiler alert like I I for me it's like a it's a meh. It's a it's a solid meh. I mean, there are things that I liked um and just as many things that I thought felt like fluffy uh-huh. and I I felt like in today's day and age, listening to this 13 years after she wrote it, yep. almost, a lot of the advice around men, I would think that if we asked her today, if we were able to get her on the podcast and we were able to say to her, do you feel there's a level of cringe when you hear yourself talking about your relationships with men? And would you re- would you write this differently in terms of what you thought you should do? Now that you are an adult, you've been through a, a like this horrible, you know, thing with Jason, and now that you have a daughter who's about to become a teenager, because I think she would, she would say, I think she would find, I think that she would not regret anything because that's what I like about her. I think she'd mm-hmm. say she has no regrets, but I think that that's a story that you would want to be really careful to share with like a teenager, right? Like that, like how how you know. How, how deeply mommy was was pivoting her life for men 
I not even that you'd want to share it, but you'd I wouldn't want her to share it without a almost a disclaimer at the end that was like, I realize that this isn't the way that things should be and that you should be focused on this, this, this. I feel like that wasn't strong enough for me. Like I didn't get that she ever learned the lesson because she was so into the relationship with Jason at at the time that she just sounded like somebody who won. She's like, you know, I waited away and now I have my perfect Prince Charming. Yeah. And I think that part of me feels like I would love her to go back and go like, while this was an important relationship to me, I realize now that that should never have been my focus. I, I, I have suspicion that she is not emotionally intelligent when it comes to marriage. Her own relationships, maybe? Just, it's a daddy thing, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. so I think, you know, um, yeah, I think, I think that's a hard one for her. I think she could do all the other stuff, but I, I think she's so angry with her dad, who is such a fucking wanker, really. I mean, just... I mean, I think she's probably heartbroken, yeah. She's heartbroken. She was really... They treated her like she was a consequence of the marriage. Um, and I hate saying yes. that. But, um, yeah. You know, so she's always looking for somebody to... Uh, they all owe her something, right? Somebody's got to make it up to her somehow. And take care of her, yeah. It's And it's it's funny. It's hard to to hear her say that when now I know that she is so cool on her own. Yeah, she's so cool. She is, yeah. Yeah, and that she's so, or maybe, maybe it's not that it's sad. Maybe it's a, it's the my nostalgia and sadness for that girl, for yeah. the for the girl that she was. Um, but I have to say, the person she's become is so super impressive. Yeah. Yes, for sure. So, what do you think, Michelle? Would you recommend this? So, someone comes to you and they're like, "Listen, I need a, uh, I need a book, some kind of self help, something that's going to be motivating and it's going to teach me some stuff." Um. Well, on that level. Meh. <laughs> Meh. It's solid, right? It really I mean, is. It's a solid one. Right? It's a solid one. I mean, um, as a self help right. well, I wouldn't read it. I would listen to it because yeah. it's too much to the, the words, or she doesn't have like an immense vocabulary. And I get a no, little naughty about that. Right. Yeah. So, um, and, and I did listen to it a little bit as well, like if I was driving. Um, and she just says the same stuff too many times like seven you know she says it seven ways to sunday and you know right I, you gotta get over that um as a self-help book no but as a thing as as a thing like in the bethany verse um of a woman who's like incredibly successful and what she uh what she went through in her earlier life and how she's distilled all this i i think it's a good read if you're interested in um if you're interested in like the uh, a saga the saga of bethany this is uh, for sure a good one. Uh, and I think you could probably pick this up at any time. Um, Game of Hose, right? You can just, yeah. it's, it's, it's her, it's, it's her saga, Game of Hose. Yes. <laughs> she just needs the, she just needs the dwarf now to come in here somehow. <laughs> no, up. I think that's, I Lighten think that's up. a great take. <laughs> I think that's a really smart and thoughtful take, Michelle. I, yeah, I think you're right. I think that as, um, as a quote unquote self-help book, not so much. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But I think you're right. If you if you love if you love Bethany and if you love Bravo and if you want some ba- behind a little bit behind this of uh, behind the scenes tea, uh, scenes mm-hmm. tea, mm-hmm. not a ton, but a little bit. I, I I think you're right. I think it's a it's an easy one. I would also recommend uh, the audiobook because of course it is Bethany. It's yeah. never more fun than when it's written by, written by the author, and especially when that author has a big personality. So you really, I mean, it it is a fun listen. Mm-hmm. Even if it isn't, like I said, even if the the points aren't something that are going to make you change your life. Right. 
they so were good to think about Maria, they were good to think about. Oh, yeah. Like I think it also validated so, that I think about a lot of these things as well, and I consider myself emotionally intelligent. So, so they well, that's that's a good point. Like I mean, I think it's it is one of those things too where it's nice to be validated that everybody is the same, and that it doesn't matter where you are in your life that these are things that other people have either processed or are processing. Yeah, that's awesome. That's awesome. So, what do you think about the? The cringeometer, Michelle. So if, if we're going to, since we are pure cringe, I mean, we're going to call 10. We're saying, you know, you know, zero to 10, 10 being pure cringe, so much so that it's like worse than the worst episode of the British version of The Office. So cringy <laughs> that you have to squint your whole face and you have to watch it with behind sunglasses from the other side of the room, half covering your face. If that is 10, zero is no cringe at all. It's fine. How cringy do you think this book is I'll on the cringeometer? I, I'm giving it, I, I'm going to give it like a, a seven and a half because her thing with men. I, I just, she's just all over the fucking world, like chasing these men. Not all over the world, but it just, just, I just, I've never put that much work into men. I don't know. It's like she, she travels for this one and that one. And, and she's sort of always looking for something. Um, Yeah. You know, but yeah. then like once she's looking for something, I can't really see like Bethany like doing like the washing and the cooking and being like, you know, like the ultimate mate. You know what I mean? She's like looking, she's looking to catch something so that they can give her something. Not like yeah. she wants to create like a unit. Right. And that's why I even said before, like, I, I wonder if like present Bethany would want to come back and like discuss a fucking few things with past Bethany. Right. Uh, I, I'm, I, I'm close. Um, I actually had written down before a six. But the more we talked about this, it's like any other book club. Sometimes the more you talk about it, mm -hmm. you change your review. Yeah. And so I'm willing to go up to a seven because I I feel the same way. I It almost made me feel uh, a little bit like prudish in the beginning, which I don't think I am. But I felt like a lot of it was distasteful where I was like, really, again? Yeah. Really, again? again. <laughs> and, you know, and honestly, I do think she should go back and do a little pronoun changing. And maybe oh, not yeah. make it so heteronormative. So um, I gave her the extra point of cringe because everything is about husband, him, 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 him. Yeah, him. as opposed to like life partner. Right, or them. Or yeah. you're just, or just you know, you could even just say your other half or whatever. Um, so I think that, I think for me that that sort of bumped it up a little bit. But yeah, I, think, I do. I think there's a, a pretty high cringe factor. All right, so we'll have to ask folks. So if you guys are are loving the podcast and want to follow us on Instagram. We are pure cringe podcast uh, underneath the, um, the post for this particular podcast. We would love to hear about your cringe votes. Where do you place this book on the cringeometer? Mm. All right. So yeah, let's like move on Michelle. I I'm actually dying to hear. Cause I feel like a lot of people are going to give Bethany a break. And I think you and um, I went for the jugular, the jugular. Yeah. We were like, we, we just pumped it right up to seven. Whereas I bet a lot of people will be kinder and gentler. Well, we think a lot about Bethany. Like we, we do a lot of time thinking about her. <laughs> we do. We've got Bethany on the brain. Yeah. Um, not the least of which is because we are going to now recap what is an iconic, very, very early scene um, that takes place right around the time where the beginnings of this book are sort of gelling for Bethany. Um, and the reason why is because uh, we're we're actually watching a, a a season two uh, clip 
It's actually was aired on March 31st, 2009, which feels like another lifetime ago. Mm -hmm. Um, And it is uh, very famous. It is Kelly Ben Simone versus Bethany Frankel. It is a very famous confrontation. Um, But the context around the confrontation and the reason why I'm even mentioning it in terms of the book and the reason why I wanted to, to do this in terms of this book is because the episode before this, the episode that sets up the confrontation that we're about to talk about is where Bethany starts and actually gels the ter- the phrase, a place of yes. So she is in a meeting for a charity with Jill and Kelly is asking a ton of questions that are driving Bethany crazy. So Bethany really does act a little juvenile and makes a lot of like snide commentary. Mm-hmm. And at one point calls because Kelly she's Madonna. Irritated all because she's irritated. Right. She just is, she's pissed off because Kelly has questions about the charity and Kelly says something like, you know, I don't just lend my name to anything. I, I want to ask questions. And it just pisses Bethany off. And so in her voiceovers and in her interview scenes, Bethany actually says that she comes from a place of yes, that that's the kind of person she is. Mm-hmm. And that's where the title of this book comes from. And so what happens is, is that Kelly, of course, is unhappy and then actually requests to meet with Bethany. And that's the scene that we're about to watch. About they're about to talk about. Okay. So I've seen this scene a gazillion times, and I have a ton of love, like I said, for pre-glam squad, you know, housewives, Mm -hmm. where people were wearing their own clothes, having their own makeup, sometimes looking like shit, seeing their under, you know, under eye circles or, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, clothes that aren't have not been styled for them. That's what we're getting here, Uh, except for we're getting like a pumped up version, right? Because of course Kelly Ben Simone is a former model, right? And, you she know, Bethany, yeah, she always she's just amazing. Yeah. And Bethany, you know, you know, let's give some credit is no slouch herself. Uh, so how do you want to do this? Do you want me to to kick off or do you want to? Um, yeah, why don't you kick? Well, I can kick off. I'm easy. Yeah. I mean, I, I have a terrifying amount of notes. So you, you do. Could, you, you have a terrifying I amount. I do. Yeah. I'll, I'll jump in if you forget anything. You go. Okay. So it starts off that um, Bethany says... Um, that Kelly said that she wanted to uh, wanted to meet with her. Is that how she phrased it? And so Bethany's figuring that, you know, um, since they're not friends, since Kelly has always um, deliberately uh, ignored um, Bethany every time she's met Yeah, she her, wants to sit down. That's what she, she wants. She wants to sit down. So she figures, given the fact that, you know, Kelly always pretends that um, she's never met Bethany, um, instead of doing, <laughs> Kelly never does the Andy Cohen thing of like, it's good to see you again, right? Yeah. So Kelly could have done that. <laughs> I think maybe no, there wouldn't no. have been so much frustration. So anyway, so uh shows Bethany um at this bar by herself, a really crowded Ex- bar. Expressionless, right? Like expressionless, no. just sitting there with the drink, you know, just sitting there. I don't know. And then um we we get the fact we somehow they make it so that we understand that there's some time that elapses. Um and then Kelly shows up and um Bethany says, uh, you're late. And Kelly says, what does Kelly say to that? So Bethany says, so, <laughs> yeah, so yeah. So literally Kelly says, Hey, thanks for coming and meeting me here. And Bethany says, I've been waiting a half hour. And Bethany says, I mean, and Kelly says, really, that's too bad. I almost spit out my drink when I was watching this again. Really? That's too bad. Do you think she was late on purpose? Yeah. I think she's just not very bright. I think she's kind of flighty. I don't, I think, mm-hmm. I think that's, that's part of her brand. You know, and she she actually says to Bethany, I want to make something perfectly clear for you. So we are on the same page. She says, we are not friends. I mean, I was kind of stunned. Like, I was not expecting when I first saw this, I was not expecting Kelly to come in so hot because she seems super daffy and almost yeah. incapable of being yeah. kind of rude. 
Yeah. Yeah, no, and she does. She does. I think Bethany pushes the right buttons though. And I think and I think honestly she surprises the shit out of Bethany because literally Bethany is still expressionist expressionless during this whole time. I think Bethany thought that when she told her she was late that she was going to be able to lay into her. I yes. think she thought that. Yeah, I think and that's just, exactly exactly what I thought. Bethany was just like, "Fuck, I missed my window." <laughs> yeah, cuz cuz literally I mean once Kelly says we are not friends, all Bethany says is correct. Yeah, correct. Correct. One word which this is I mean, you guys got to write this shit down because Beth this is the only time in any housewife show or any show that Bethany will say will give one word answers. Mm-hmm. It really is. And so, do you remember what Kelly says next? It's it, it actually cracked me up because this stuff was it, it it was revelatory for me to understand what was happening here. Um, she says something about uh, does she reference her right away, like being like a child or immature? Yes, and it's the first says, thing she says. Your attitude is for kids. Yeah, and she says, "I'm up here and you're down here." So I yeah, she says, "If you want to play with me, if you want to yeah. play with me, come up to me. I don't go down to you." And I didn't really get that, but you explained it. You had a good take on that. Yeah, I, I, I just kind of thought she was the shit and that, you know, Bethany had to like... Everybody did. Kelly was just so inarticulate about this. Okay. She really was. I think that she had an opportunity here and she was very inarticulate. But I think we all thought, including me, the first time I saw this, I was like, oh my God, is she saying she's better than Bethany? That's what Bethany thought. That's what the whole world thought. But when I was watching this, and I have to tell you, here's the game changer. Fucking closed captioning. Because I'm reading it too. Mm-hmm. And so what I'm looking at is literally Kelly saying, your attitude was like a child. If you want to play with me, if you want to hang out with me, um, you come up to my behavior as an adult. I'm not going to come down here with you and trade little snarky barbs like you did yesterday. Uh-huh. I'm here. Yeah, yeah. This is where your behavior is. You're down here like a kid. I'm an adult. If she had said that, we would not even be having this conversation. I would have had to pick a completely different scene for us. But because she was inarticulate and really was just, I think she thought she was being very articulate. I also think that just like us, Bethany jumped to that conclusion. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I would in the moment, I'm sure I would too. But when I read it or when I really watched it and I saw it written on the screen, I, it a hundred percent made sense to me what she was talking about. She was talking about Bethany being snarky the day before and saying like, what she thinks she is Madonna, like under her breath. Mm -hmm. which she thought was really immature to do at this charity meeting. Now I hate to be on Kelly's side. Like, honestly, I want to say to Bethany, like, I fucking hate that you put me in a position where now I got to agree with Kelly, but like, yeah, you kind of were an asshole and this is her checking you, but just badly. She's checking her. But, uh, but the thing is where Kelly persists in doing this thing of pretending that it gets worse. Bethany it she's making it worse for herself so she's really not doing herself any favors she's being kind of an idiot about the whole thing so you know is bethany getting a little pissy yeah i mean you know yeah maybe as soon as she does that bethany comes unraveled right yes (laughs) as soon as she does that suddenly bethany starts to like wake up yeah but she's still a little glazed yes i don't think i think she is stunned by that too that also that statement from kelly yeah, because her next thing that she says is, I mean, and Michelle, you tell me if so, you say something to someone that's like really like, wow, like you got them and they come back and they go, I don't do anything you want me to do. What? <laughs> that is literally her response. She says, I don't do anything you want me to do. And I went, oh, shit, she's got her number. 
<laughs> she just tagged Bethany in the nose. Bethany is bleeding from the nose. Do you know what I mean? Like it's, <laughs> I hate to say it, but like Kelly got her because she's completely unraveling. And then she actually says, Bethany goes, I'm waiting to hear what you invited me here to say. Uh-huh. She doesn't even understand what happened. Get it. Yeah, because Kelly- She doesn't get it. Yeah. Yeah, she doesn't get it at all. And it's here where Kelly is just like, I will not indulge you. It sounds like she's talking to, I mean, you wouldn't even talk to your kids this way. But she but is it does sound her. like that. But the thing is, yeah. is she's so inarticulate. She sounds like she she sounds like a like an eleven year old. She is indulging her. This is what the funny thing is. Yes, hit it, Michelle. She is <laughs> beat her up, beat her. Well, you know what it is, honestly, because she, she says we are not the same. This is you. This is me. And then Bethany now is when she wakes up. She says, "You're here because why?" And then Kelly says, "Because I won't put up." with your antics every word she says like the word choice with kelly even though she's inarticulate the word choice is amazing to me yeah. like she is specifically choosing words that you would use to describe your children yeah like your antics i won't indulge you yeah i know you think it's cute that's what kelly says too i know you think it's cute but you embarrass yourself yeah I've definitely said all of that to my kids <laughs> right and Probably right and she's about five <laughs> well and that's when she says you know Kelly goes, while you're, t- while you're talking, meaning like those snarky remarks, I'm busy doing things, meaning for charity. And then Bethany is still during this time expressionless. Yeah. She is doing, she is hitting with us a full on sphinx. Yeah. Blink, blink. <laughs> Holding a drink. Blink, blink. <laughs> blink, blink. And so then literally Kelly says, I don't like you. Okay. Imagine someone saying somewhere. this to your face. Michelle, I really seriously, imagine someone saying this to your face. I don't, and also while you're being filmed. You've never said that to anybody? While you're being filmed to be watched all over the world. I don't like you. I don't think you're funny. We aren't friends. We won't ever be friends. Well, I think I just said that to my husband last week. (laughs) (laughs) He's still here. He doesn't believe He's still there. True. (laughs) He's still coming back. (laughs) Well, and then Bethany still, it's like this is a job interview. Do you know what she says next? Correct. Like someone's asking her. So you worked at Neiman Marcus from 1982 to 1987. Correct. Correct. In the shoe department. And so then Bethany says, you invited me here to make yourself feel better. You are up here because you are a model. You collect celebrities. Now we see how how resentful Bethany is. Yes. Yes. Of Kelly. She said, you collect celebrities because you are not me and you act like you never, like, like, like you never met me. And that is the thing to your point. The fact that she is repeatedly acting like she never met Bethany is what is completely flipping her out. Mm-hmm. You're right. Yeah. It's 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 the fact that she is doing that. Then Kelly says, let's go down memory lane again. <laughs> How many times can she say something that is cluing us into the fact that she thinks Bethany is immature? Uh-huh. Like everything she says, she's just, if she just said like, I've got the plane, it's going into the hangar. Like how much more juvenile could she be talking to her? She says, Kelly says, you came to my house with a guy. And then Bethany says that you flirted with the entire time. Uh-huh. And then Kelly says, say, starts saying that the guy was a photographer that was hired to take pictures. And now Bethany is fully awake. She's finally like getting her, her gears are sort of grinding. Yeah. Yeah. She says, no, no, no. I was invited to your house by Ginny Hilfiger, who's a friend of mine. And then Kelly says, Ginny has her opinion of you. I was disgusted by your behavior. And so now it sounds like she's talking about that party. Although I she's think, still talking about the day before, I think. 
but that Ginny thing, see, I got a little stuck on that. Does that mean that Ginny likes her or that Ginny doesn't like her? Ginny is friends with Bethany. And what Kelly is saying is that Ginny may have her opinion of you. I just don't agree. Okay. Ginny may love you. I just don't agree. Okay. And so I think here, Bethany is still referencing. She's not, you know, Kelly says, you tell me doing what? And then Bethany says, you're making things up. And this is where it gets nuts. This is where, do you remember? So Michelle, I don't know if you remember this. You probably will. When Michelle and I were younger, we used to love to go into Boston. We would meet in downtown crossing in Boston and we would go and we would eat pizza at this mm-hmm. amazing place called Ruggles. Do you remember Ruggles? We would go there and, and I would we I would just smoke. Pizza? Yep. Yep. I'd get my meatball pizza. She remembers my order. <laughs> I would, yes, I would get my meatball pizza. And I would uh smoke during the entire time because back then you could smoke in restaurants. And we used to do something that we saw Billy Idol do in an interview where an interviewer asked him a question. And he answered com- something completely different, just whatever he wanted <laughs> to talk about, right? Yeah, just just completely. And so we called it billying. Yeah. And so we used to talk about that—that that we would go places and we would just billy. We would just talk because you know we hadn't seen each other. We would just catch each other up. I feel like this is the demented version of billying. These yeah. are two separate conversations. Yes, exactly. They're not even talking about. I don't even think. I think I could make the case that they are talking about separate incidents. But I literally, I feel like one of them is like, tell me what you're talking about. And the other one's like, you know what I'm talking about. Exactly. And it, exactly. it yeah. is so fucked up. <laughs> it, it, and, and then Kelly is saying things like, I'm a stranger. And then Bethany's like, you've met me. It's so fucking weird. They're arguing over whether they've met before. And it's like, it is just so weirdly awkward. I mean, you can't look away. No. This in and of itself for me is off the cringe meter. Because once we get to this part of the conversation, because I don't know what the fuck is even happening. And they're both totally confused by the other. But no one will stop talking. They just keep going and keep going. And so finally, Kelly gets up and she's, and all of a sudden she becomes Keanu Reeves in fucking Point Break. And she's like, I don't know, have a great life later. Yeah. (laughs) I'm an FBI agent. And she just gets up and she fucking walks out. Yeah. And Bethany starts, you see her, um, her talking head where she's like, she tries hard to make the she's a calamity work as a joke. She tries to say it like three times. Um, and so Bethany gets up to leave and she's like kind of like looking at her phone. Remember when phones were so small where uh-huh. she's like texting by hitting the same number three times, you know? Oh, the cute, cute, yeah, whatever. Yeah. So, yeah. So she's, she's literally on a, you know, on, on a Samsung from fucking, you know, mm-hmm. 20, 200, 2007. So she's standing there and literally she's going to leave and Kelly is there like lurking inexplicably. I don't even remember this part. I didn't get that. And Bethany is like just looking at her and Kelly goes, you need to chill out. You are so inappropriate. Again, is Kelly talking about tonight? Is she talking about the first time they met or is she talking about yesterday? Yeah. Not sure. Bethany goes, I'm completely calm. And she is. I mean, Bethany is again back to having zero expression. Mm -hmm. Full on Sphinx again. Correct. Kelly starts to say, yeah, correct. Kelly starts to get up again. She goes, I got to go. I have a date. And then Bethany says, with your imaginary boyfriend, bye. And that's the end end scene. (laughs) That is, that small scene, that was what, four and a half minutes? Uh That small scene was like a launching pad for Bethany because so many people viewed it as her like punching back after somebody telling her that she was here. When in fact, I don't think that was what it was at all. I think it was just a conversation with what is the opening of a sound and the sound and fury, a tale told by an idiot full of sound and fury signifying oh, yes. nothing. Yeah. Right. 
that that's what I feel like this scene is. I feel like it's sound and fury and it doesn't, neither one of them is talking about the same event. No, they're on opposite planes somewhere. Yeah. One of them is easily in the Bermuda Triangle, Michelle. Those planes ain't never going to land. Those planes are not landing. Even now when I reread my notes, because I wrote everything down exactly because I couldn't fucking believe it. I wanted to be like super accurate when we talked about it. Because as I was watching it and reading these words, I was like, are they really saying that? This one is saying something completely different from what this one is saying. And I rewound it multiple times. Really? And it was, it happened so quickly. It happens very quickly on screen. Yeah. But like, there's a lot of things that they say and they just are apropos of nothing. Now, how much of this do you think that is, it's the editing, you know, trying to make it deliberately obtuse? I don't think it's a lot of the editing because... And if I can ever, if I can ever convince you to do the rewatch of season one of Real Housewives of New York, you'll be able to see, or or, actually, actually, no, you won't be able, because this is season two. She is, Kelly is her own special blend of vapid. Yeah, she's daft. She really is. And and it's, and it's uh, like a, it's, it's like Uh self-delusional in a way. So I feel like it doesn't resolve itself, but you can even see. To me, I think the best thing that you can do and the best way that for you to like have completion on this this particular scene is at some point watch the reunion for this season, for season two, where people talk about it. Or watch the reunion for season three after Scary Island, where she completely loses her shit and is sent yep. home by Bravo. Yeah. In the reunions where ostensibly everything comes out, right? People, you know, we break the fourth wall and we, re- we remind these people that they're on a show and we're watching it and like these things happen. She never takes accountability. It's just not a thing she's able to do. I don't think, I I, I don't she think that she it? has, I think her self-awareness is low. I really do. And I think that, I mean, at the time, I think that, I don't think Bethany was any, any better. I think she was kind of a snarky bitch. And yeah. I, and I think that Bethany back then could dish it out, but couldn't take it. I think that if Kelly had come in, if I could rewrite this scene, Kelly would come in, say everything, right? Like everything up to I'm up here and you're down here. I would, you, she could have said your attitude is for kids. If you want to play with me, you come up to my level. She could have said all of that stuff. But if, if she had just stopped then and not kept going, it might've been a productive thing where, or people might've said, yeah. remember that scene where Kelly just took Bethany to the cleaners? Yeah, because where where she says, like, I'm up here and you're down here, what does that mean that, Bethany, you're broke as shit and I'm rich? Or There's a thousand interpretations, right? Bethany talks about the fact that she's a model. Bethany is insecure about her looks. So you see that's the first thing that she goes to. Is it because you're a model and you collect celebrities? Like, so it's a, everybody gets an opportunity to show their ass. It's an equal opportunity ass showing. To show your ass. (laughs) Yeah, and, and, and they do, bless them. They do show their ass. Um, yeah. Do you have, uh, before we go, do you have a, a favorite tip or uh, was there a, a quote from the the book that you want to share? Anything that jumped out at you? Um, anything that jumped out at me? Um, I know I'm really wavering on this one, aren't I? Uh, you know, something I, I really, I, I really loved her rule number 10, celebrate the business of being happy. Just celebrate yeah. everything. Having, uh, you know, having, uh, kids having like lost family members um you know the passage of time we're officially kind of old ladies now and um, you know and I think you know I remember at one point uh my kids were little everything was just so fucking crazy I was working and I got away for years without putting up 
Christmas decorations or Easter yeah. or anything. And I actually really liked it. One day, Liam came home and he, and I don't know how he even had this conversation with his brother, but they said they want Easter eggs with glitter. And I said, what are you talking about? Well, it's Easter. We want glitter Easter eggs. So I had to go get the glue and the glitter and all that stuff. And, you know, we made some awesome eggs, I have to say. But that really started me back on this is it. You, yeah. it's, you want to have these celebrations. It's a, You're marking the passage of time. You're marking the fact that you're still here, right, and that you're still going, and that even if some people have died, you're still moving on. So I, I to me, that was really important. How about you? That's Anything awesome. jump out at you? I love that one. Definitely. And I agree with you, everything that you said. It's so important. Um, I also loved the, uh, the teasing out of the noise versus voice. I thought that was a great oh, tip yeah. to sort of hear that and recognize it uh, because that's something that I myself work on, right? Like, like being able to rephrase and, and reframe my thoughts to make sure that I'm, you know, doing myself a service, right? That I'm not talking myself out of doing stuff. Yeah. Um, like, you know, going to dinner by myself. Now, listen, I want to uh, just put you on the spot here a little bit. Um, yeah. You know, Bethany's got, you know, this a couple of fun podcasts that she does. And on her Rewives, maybe like a month or two ago, she had on, like, she was looking for, like, this, like, superstar celebrity set, like, dream housewife cast that she would make. Yes. You remember yes. this one? Yes. <laughs> yes. That was so cool. That was a great podcast episode. And let's see, who did she want? Who did she have in mind? She had Teresa. I love yep. it when she calls Teresa Judice. Uh, I think Nini was one of them. Yep. Is it Vicky? Didn't she want like Madonna? Yeah, she wanted, yeah. Who would we have? So I I think that she's right with Teresa and Nini. I would want them. Yeah, I would. Lisa, I think she wanted Lisa Vanderpump. I'd really like to see her. I I think Lisa doesn't play well with others, so I'd like to see her with some I like Bethany. Uh, Yeah, Bethany for sure. For sure. Um, Anyway, I think we had talked about this at some point. You had suggested Pam Anderson. <laughs> I'd love to see that. <laughs> well, I would too. I would love to see how everybody reacts. I want. I only would want Pam Anderson if Bethany was there because I would want to see Bethany just tweak out because I feel like Pam Anderson is Dollar Tree Sonia Morgan. <laughs> and so Sonia makes Bethany shithouse crazy during certain seasons. Uh-huh, so uh-huh. I think that Pam would do the same thing, only it would just be amped up. So I would love to watch that. I would really. Well, if Pam Amberson's there, then her friend Courtney Love has to join as well. I hate Courtney Love, but I have a feeling that Bethany will too. Yeah. Courtney Love, by the way, is Dollar Tree. Dorinda. Dorinda. <laughs> I'd like to see Dorinda um, sober and back. Uh, yeah, I don't know if she'd be fun, but we'd have to see. It might be fun to watch her try and stay sober. That might be yeah, a good time. I think so. Yeah. <laughs> well, this was so much fun, Michelle, for our first, for our first episode ever. Yes. It was this fun. was amazing. This yeah. is amazing. We hope everyone enjoyed themselves as much as we did. Thank you guys so much for joining us uh, as we begin to troll those uh, sometimes shallow but always hysterical waters of Bravo Liberty books. So join us next time when we will be discussing uh, one of the greatest uh, works of uh, literature of all time, Bad Mormon by Heather Gay. (laughs) It is a Real Housewives of Salt Lake City extravaganza. We'll be recapping. We'll be talking about Heather. You guys grab your books and join us next time. We'll see you then. Thanks so much. Thanks. Bye.